When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into another edition of GC Live. I'm Kendall Smith, joined alongside of Wes Mitchell. Wes, I wonder how many complainers we're going to get today that Chris isn't on the show. I'm filling in once again. So I think everybody seems to miss him when he's gone, but here I am back for another edition. So thanks for having me. Yeah, back again. Um, I think it's going to be 50-50. We might, we might have a few complainers, but we're going to have some people very happy to see you too, Kendall, I feel like. So Lots to get into. Um, hope everybody out there is having a great day. It is exciting. Fridays are always awesome. Hope y'all are staying safe. I think there's potentially bad weather if you're in the Midlands from what I've heard. I think kids are getting out early or something. So y'all stay safe out there. Hang out with us. Um, let's see. We we got a lot of folks that are that are already in here. I think they're starting their, their weekend early, just hanging out with us, Kendall. Um, yeah, we're going to get Colin invited in. And this is obviously a key baseball series for South Carolina because you know you and I you and I when you've been on like I feel like Carolina has been at some of their absolute lows of the season there was one series you and I were on here Kendall I think it was before the Texas series and I oh, think we, we were like they're not gonna win we were we didn't even talk about it South I, 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 yeah, like, we were like we're, we're not gonna talk about that because it's it's gonna nobody wants to talk about that because they're gonna lose and then what do they do of course they take two of three and then you know, it's just been this this roller coaster the whole way where they've like every it doesn't seem like every single time that it feels like they're just done mm-hmm. statistically, like mathematically, it's like they're not gonna be able to recover from this. They find a way to hang in there just enough, but then on the flip side, Kendall, it's like every time they get a little momentum, something happens that sort of derails it as well. So they they win three last week as far as you know, three SEC games, they sweep. Alabama and now they're in this like final push I feel like and this is what I want to talk to Colin about Kendall it's like they can kind of see the path where it's like maybe they sneak in to the NCAA tournament maybe they salvage the season or maybe they just fall right on back off to what they've sort of been for most of the year Well, I think at the beginning of the season, we had a really hard time pinpointing what this team was. And it was like, okay, they're going to beat Texas and they're going to beat Vandy. And then they're going to go lose a midweek game to Xavier or the Citadel. And you're like, okay, what is going on? And I think at this point, we've kind of figured out what it is. So the team tends to do decently at home. Like they're respectable at home. They were able to beat Vandy at home. They were able to beat Texas at home, Ole Miss at home. Alabama at home and then they go on the road 
and they're totally different. And I talked with Andrew Eister about it last week, and he's like, we just don't know why that is. I don't know why our team can't seem to perform on the road. So I think that's kind of what it's come down to in this weekend against Texas A&M, and I'm sure Colin will speak on this more. It's so big for South Carolina because they need to show for the resume, not just for the record, that they can win on the road. So it's been a frustrating season, I think, for a lot of fans to watch because of the inconsistency of it all. And especially a team like South Carolina. I was talking to some friends about this the other day. South Carolina has had its struggles in football, in basketball, but it's always been a pretty well-known thing that they're going to be competitive in baseball. And I think this year has been one of those years where people are like very confused because usually our baseball team is something that can be a consistent thing for athletics at South Carolina. And it just hasn't been this year. They've certainly had some high highs, but they've also had some low lows as well. So I'm interested to see how the end of this season goes for them. Um, And this weekend I think is going to be very telling as to whether or not these last few weeks are going to go well, or they're going to kind of just go back to their old ways. Yeah, and part of the reason I want Colin to come on, and he'll be on here in a second. Uh, they're sitting right now, Kendall. They're twenty three and twenty overall, um, and they're nine and twelve in conference play. So obviously, you, just with, without looking at anything else, you look at those two numbers and you're like, all right, that's not that's not good enough. Like it's going to have to improve. It, you know, every year there's all these little variables that play in your strength of schedule. Who did you beat? Who did you lose to? What about the other teams on the bubble, et cetera, et cetera? But just uh, on the surface, right off the bat, those numbers aren't just aren't good enough. So you know they're going to have to go on a bit of a streak to finish this year. Mm-hmm. The question is, wh- what is that standard? How how good of a streak do they have to go on in order to get into the tournament? And uh, that's something that uh, that Colin Taylor is going to join us uh, to tell us about. Um, Colin, by the way, is live from College Station. He's at the Texas A and M series this weekend. We will find out very soon if that's a uh, if he's covering a game that Gamecock fans are happy about or uh, they're, they're upset about. Colin, first of all, just check in with this man. Tell us where where are you? I, uh, what are you doing? I'm sitting outside a restaurant uh, that serves tacos, so I uh, gorged myself on that for a little bit, and then uh, we're just doing some work and actually caught up with Derek Scott. Uh, ran into him, voice of the Gamecocks. So we uh, got to eat a little bit together, and I'm out here talking to you guys now. So we, uh, we're we full of tacos and, and ready for some baseball. Colin, we were just talking about this South Carolina baseball team and the inconsistencies throughout the season, and they'll have their high highs, and then they'll turn right back around and have some really low lows. So in terms of this series this weekend against Texas A&M, do you think it's the biggest series of the year so far for South Carolina in terms of momentum as they head towards the last few weeks of the season? Yeah, every series from now until the end of the SEC tournament is going to be the biggest series of the year for South Carolina. Um, they just have no room for error. And if you're South Carolina, not only do you need to start stringing wins together, you need to beat really good teams. And um, Texas a is a really good team. They won four their last four SEC series. Um, they're top half of the league. They're going to be a tournament team. Um, you need to start beating some of these really good teams on the road to help your RPI. And this is the first really big chance South Carolina's had to do that. And um, they'll need to find a way to at least get one win to really keep their postseason hopes realistically alive. 
Yeah, that, that was sort of the direction I was going to go, Kyle. And I, I'm looking right now. I said it before you got on. 23 and 20 overall, 9 and 12 in conference play. Obviously, at AM this week, a um, couple of midweeks in there, but then Kentucky at home and then at Florida to finish. I, I think you had an article earlier this week. People can go read it on GamecockCentral.com. What does the path look like? I mean, it's never completely clear, right? But you start to maybe get an idea of what it's going to take. So, you you know, you said maybe one of three this weekend just to at least stay, I don't know, maybe somewhere near the path. But what what is the path right now from a win perspective to where they can feel somewhat decent about sneaking into the the big tournament, not the SEC tournament, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they're probably going to make the SEC tournament unless things go sideways. Um, they're going to make the SEC tournament. The big question is now you got to finish six and three. That that magic number of fifteen league wins is always kind of floating out there for SEC teams. If you finish five hundred in the SEC, you're probably going to go to the NCAA tournament. So now it's a question of if you're South Carolina, where do those six wins come from? Do you Kentucky's been kind of bad this year. Do you go and sweep Kentucky at home where you've been a lot better? Um, and then if you do that, then you got to find three wins out of six games between Texas A&M and Florida, um, however you want to mix and match those. So the path is six and three, or you get to 14 wins and you have to really hope for a deep run in the SEC tournament, which with this, <laughs> this pitching staff is hard to imagine right now, just given how banged up it is. So, um, six and three over your last nine league games with no midweek hiccups is probably the most likely path. Um, or you really need some help in the SEC tournament. Colin, you mentioned the pitching staff there, and that's something that I would like to get into because even yeah. from the start of the year with Julian Bosnick not being able to pitch, and then we, you know, find out that it's going to be a season long thing. We're not going to see him back. Will Sanders was obviously that name at the beginning of the season, and even now that you know how to step up to the plate. But who are some of those other pitchers for South Carolina that you've been really impressed with this year? I know there's been some younger guys who have really had to come out and perform for the Gamecocks, and they've been kind of stepping into their roles as the season has progressed. Yeah, I mean, Matthew Becker has been someone that I don't know why I would have necessarily pegged as what he's doing in his role. Uh, he's been fantastic. Uh, Kate Austin's had a really quietly good SEC kind of schedule. He's got like a 211 ERA and has been really good for him. Um, those are two guys that have stepped up. And then Noah Hall, um, I don't think I would have guessed him leading the SEC in innings pitched, um, I guess, four months ago when this thing really kicked off. But all of a sudden he is, and he's probably the South Carolina's best pitcher right now. So um, those are the guys. And then you've, you've seen some flashes from McGill Reith. You've seen flashes from uh, a few other guys, the Aiden Hunters and the Eli Joneses of the world. Um, but it's just been so banged up and they've had to put guys in opportunities that maybe they they weren't ready for at the time and just they've had to grow up on the fly and, and you've seen that with this pitching staff and they've kind of figured out a formula that works for them in what they're trying to do right now. Colin, um, lo and behold, South Carolina adds another injury to their list uh, or at least has a tweak of an injury with Brant Belk uh, earlier this week. Any update on him? I mean, arguably, man, he's been – I, mean, I would say arguably he's been their best position player, certainly like top three position player this entire season. Huge addition to this team. Have you heard anything lately on his condition going into this weekend? Yeah, I mean, he made the trip. It's just a matter of how much tolerance, pain tolerance you can put on that ankle. I mean, he's going to play two, if not all three of these games in the series. And um, 
It's just a matter of how banged up he is. He's, he's not going to be 100%. I don't think he will uh, these three games. But I think you get enough out of 70 or 80% of Brant Belk, uh, then maybe your next best option there. So um, I would foresee him playing most, if not all, of the innings um, as we sit here at 118 local time, five hours before first pitch. Colin, before we let you go and continue uh, yeah. doing all your stuff at Texas A&M, for anybody who doesn't really closely follow college baseball and they're just kind of now picking up on everything and seeing that South Carolina might have a chance to get into the postseason, tell them a little bit about this Texas A&M team that they're facing this weekend. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Let us know. Yeah, it's it's a really good offense. I think they're top three or four in all three slash categories. They get on base at a really high clip. Um, they're just a team that's going to kind of come at you. And, I mean, they're, they're good enough from a pitching standpoint. Um, they're a solid pitching team. They're not going to – they're not what South Carolina was last year or what Tennessee is this year, but they're good. Um, and they just – they do a lot of good things, um, especially offensively. So it's going to be a tough test for this pitching staff to kind of handle. And um, this is probably one of the best environments in the SEC. And so you're, you're going to really have to have a lot of these younger pitchers, especially handle that moment really well. And um, they struggled on the road. And, and now it's just about kind of getting over that hump at <laughs> a really, really tough place to play. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed. I do have to say you did not tweet that you found the barbecue. As soon as you got to Texas A&M, you went to get tacos. So is everything okay with you? Because usually you're, you're making a beeline to the BBQ. Especially in Texas. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Like here, here's the thing. Um, you know, this lady named Michaela Taylor. Um, I, I, I gave it to her. I, I threw out her and said, Hey, what should I get for lunch? And I said, I could get barbecue or I can get tacos. She told me to go get tacos. And the last thing I'm going to do <laughs> is intentionally make her upset. So we tacos instead but I'm here until Monday afternoon. So barbecue is on the menu at some point sooner rather than later. All right. Hey, before we let Colin go, I've got I've got a question for both yeah. Kendall and Colin. Um, Kendall, you first. So I know Colin asked Will Sanders about this, and y'all know where I'm going. But Kendall, I want to know party <laughs> foul or no. You you be our fashion expert. The Will Sanders uh, Bortz baseball shorts, way too short, whatever that was. Party foul or no? Um, You know what? I liked his explanation about it. He said it helps his mobility. I don't really know, you know, what that's supposed to mean, but that's great that it helps his mobility. Um if so speaking with Will Sanders and just like getting to talk to him and kind of knowing his personality it makes sense like it checks out that Will Sanders would do that so I give it a thumbs up I think it's innovation that excites for the baseball team like that's something that's different it's fun like you have the old school style you have like the skinny long you know baseball pants it would be Will Sanders who would start a new fashion trend. So like I personally wouldn't do it, but I also am not very tall. I think if you're tall, you can rock it better. Yeah. So Kendall and I are both out on that. Neither one of us very tall. Colin, um, Colin, do, do they reappear this weekend? You think? I think so. It's supposed to be like 98 degrees when he pitches. So I think you're going to see, I think if Will Sanders could wear like, like swimsuits or something like that, it could be, it helps his mobility. 
Um, I don't, as long as you're getting results, Will's the kind of dude that's very superstitious with that stuff. So he pitches well in it. He's going to keep doing it. And uh, I have no problem with it as long as you keep the results. Um, it's easy to mock it when he gives up 10 earned in four innings. Um, it's a little bit harder to mock it when he's mowing down dudes left and right like he has been. What do you think, Wes? Are you a fan? No, I mean, I wouldn't say I, I would say I'm definitely not a fan of the look. It's hilarious. But, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm in the superstitious cat. Like, if you do something different in baseball and it works and everybody gets a laugh out of it too, then that's probably a good thing, right? Like, it's like these, these are still, these are still kids, right? They're playing a kid's game. Like, it's supposed to be fun. What's that, Colin? It's, it's college baseball. It's supposed to be stupid sometimes. The two best teams in Carolina history taped a ball to a bat, and all of a sudden they have T-shirts printed with that stuff. On. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. It's, uh, it's silly, but it, it's supposed to be. It's a somebody else on some other team will copy that. I, I promise you, there will be some other goofball who was like, "I want, I'm going to do that look now too," and it, it may end up spreading. You ne- you never know. But hey, if it, if it helps him pitch. I'm still not convinced that that's the. I mean, baseball pants are not like that constrictive. Like I, I, I haven't quite bought that. But regardless, it's if it works, it works. And Will Sanders is the dude on the staff, so it is what it is. What What I need to know because I just thought about this and I should have asked Will earlier. How does he get him to stay up? Because the, yeah. the in themselves are, I mean, baggy enough, and Will Sanders is not the, you know. He's not the the he doesn't fill the pants out from a leg standpoint quite like an older guy would like that that came out really bad, but he's like he's got pipe cleaner legs. How does he get him to stay up? The, these hard hitting questions and more on the next Garnet Trust Will Sanders interview. Let's leave it one. right there. I've been able to fill out his pants. All right, Colin. We'll let you get out of here, man. Um, go find some barbecue, man. You, Kendall, and I are giving you direction. Go find the barbecue. All right. That I can. I will promise you. Over the next twenty-four hours, there will be barbecue in my stomach. Thank you, Colin. See y'all. See you, man. Um, all right, that took a turn, but so Kendall, get, I, let's just let's put it on the spot. I I don't I don't watch enough college baseball. I'll be honest with mm-hmm. you. I can't really name any one single player on the A&M baseball team. Let's just put all of our cards out there. I have no idea who's going to win this weekend. But let's make predictions. Any chance the Gamecocks go into College Station and bust out a two out of three? I'm going to say no. I don't think so. I do think they will snag a win. I think they will win the Will Sanders game. I always feel very, very confident as long as the offense is able to be like somewhat decent in the Will Sanders game. I usually feel good about it, knock on wood. So I think they can snag one. And like Colin said, that's kind of what they need at this point and then move on from there. I do not think they'll take the series. That's a very big ask and a big prediction to make of a team that has not performed well on the road this entire year. And I wouldn't necessarily expect it to start on the road in College Station with three weeks until the end of the season. Yeah, and I love how we still call it the Will Sanders game because it's, it, it is just different. Although, again, to Colin's point, Noah Hall, who would have ever, like, ever guessed? He was put in a very 
precarious situation being forced to to be one of their top pitchers this year. And he has stepped up. So I, I think uh, we'll give Noah Hall some love as well. Yes. I'm with you. I think it's going to be difficult um, on the road in this league. They've been in position to win games that they have just not been able to put away. And I, I think that's what worries you the most uh, in games like this is can – do they have the pitching depth to go out there? And it's such a small margin for error in the first place. And then when you're in games and you don't have go-to guys necessarily on the back end that are consistent, um, it, it's hard to do. So I'm with you. I'll, we'll play the percentages. I'll go one of three as well. And, Kendall, you know what we didn't do? We didn't talk about our buddy Clint Hammond. So before we move on to football, let's tell everybody about Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, 803-771-6933, clinthammond.com. If you're in the market for a new home, give Clint a shout or go check out all of his information on his website, which is right above my head every single show. It's right there. Kendall, what's next? Okay, we are going to be talking about transfer portal rankings. I do feel like saying transfer portal is like a really hard thing to say. I don't know why it's in my mind. I always have to say it very deliberately. So we're going to be talking about transfer portal rankings. They came out for on three this week. So we're going to be talking about team rankings, player rankings, South Carolina actually doing very well. So we'll start off with the team rankings. So according to on three, here are the top five transfer portal winners. Number one, we've got Southern Cal. They have them listed as USC on here. No. Don't even get me started. So Southern Cal, they took the top spot for on threes, top five transfer portal winners. Second, Alabama. Third, Texas. Fourth, Ole Miss. And then coming in in the top five at number five, South Carolina. And I think, you know, looking back a year ago when you think about the transfer portal and, you know, will South Carolina capitalize off of this? I would have never thought that South Carolina would be in the top five schools in the country in terms of transfer portal winners. I don't know about U.S., but I mean, it's it speaks to what Shane Beamer is doing for the Gamecocks. Well, I think it carves out a um, it kind of carves out a path for South Carolina to like, you know, they're never going to probably out recruit like Alabama, Georgia, you know, nationally like your Ohio States your Texas A&M's you know those are your top top five top seven classes as far as high school recruiting pretty much every year right now those schools are in that conversation it's just it's in a it's in a different order you know depending on the year and that comes down to a player or two well I think Kendall for Carolina you kind of have to be a little bit more resourceful you got to find players from in different ways and the portal has actually sort of the portal guys just seem to connect with Shane Beamer and his vision for this program. I have a theory. I think, first of all, Rattler did spark the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think credit him. He sparked him and Stogner. And, you know, maybe even give more credit to Stog because he was kind of the first to come out and visit. Yeah. He calls Rattler or text Rattler and said, hey, man, you got to check this place out. Mm-hmm. Stogner's dad is, like, encouraging the Carolina coaches to, to hit up Rattler. So, so maybe we give the credit to Stogner, but it was definitely that duo that kicked it off. But every single portal player I talked to has mentioned how they go into the portal, they look at pro, they look at schools like potential schools they're going to go to differently than they did in high school. They don't care about the the BS anymore, like the 
there, there's a certain amount of BS in recruiting. Like that's just yeah. what it is. It's a sales job. It's, it's the flashy lights and you're going to be the big man on campus and everything is perfect. You know, then you get to college and you see that, guess what? Nothing is perfect in life. There's no such thing. Well, once you're 20 years old, 21 years old, you kind of have a better feel for how college football works, for what you're looking for. You just want to be told straight up, hey, do I have a chance to play? What's the scheme going to be? What's the depth chart look like? And can I fit in with the culture of your program? I just think that matches what Shane Beamer is trying to do. I can I asked Beamer about this in the sit down Chris and I had with him. And he did the coach thing. You know, he was like, no, no, no. He's like, we want to be, we want to be a premier place for kids from everywhere. Mm-hmm. High school, transfer portal, JUCO, doesn't matter. Right. Which is the right thing to say from a coach standpoint. But I do think they have carved out their own little spot over here. Like the portal, I think, I don't think this is something that's going to go away. Like I think the portal will be kind to South Carolina um, for, for a long time. Like I don't, I don't think this is going away at all, Kendall. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned how, you know, South Carolina might not be able to compete with Alabama and Georgia at this point when it comes to getting athletes out of high school. And I 100% agree with that. But I think it is interesting looking at this top five. You don't see Georgia. You don't see Notre Dame. You don't see Clemson. You don't see Ohio State. So it's kind of like, I think it's great because Shane Beamer is really jumping on this portal and it's new. It's kind of different than what we're used to in the world of college football, but he's jumping on it. He's making a name for South Carolina in it. And I think that some of these other schools that have historically been good or who have been kind of at the top of the top over the last few years, they're not jumping on it as much. They're not getting as much success from the portal. And I think maybe you won't notice it as much this year, but as things continue, if they don't start to get on it and they don't start to embrace this portal process, it's going to show. And then ultimately from there, it's like, okay, well, if you have all these players from the portal and that helps your on-field success, then that's ultimately going to trickle down to getting high school players. So Shane Beamer is doing the right thing. It is like a trickle down thing, in my opinion, where he's starting here with the portal. He's controlling what he can control there. That's going to help on-field success for South Carolina. And from there, you continue to succeed in the portal and you continue to succeed in terms of recruiting high school athletes. So I do really find it interesting that South Carolina is one of these top five schools last year. You know, they won the Dukes Mayo Bowl. They had a good year for South Carolina, but you're not seeing schools in that top five like Georgia, who are the national champions, like Clemson, like Ohio State, like Notre Dame. So that's what really sticks out to me. And I think if they don't get on that, it's going to really start showing over the next few years. Yeah, and, and Dabo, especially like Clemson, I feel like yeah. has not gotten on board with the portal at all. SC Scout guy with a related question saying, do you think on-field success this year will be a big factor and continue to do well in the portal? I, I do. I think from a momentum standpoint, like I, I think they're always – South Carolina will always be able to supplement their roster with a number of guys from the portal. I think Spencer Rattler doing well and continuing to build that buzz this year, though, will be important for that next – the, the next guy may not have the prior relationship to Shane Beamer. You know, that like that obviously helps that Rattler was around Beamer, knew what he was about. There was a prior comfort level there. The next guy probably doesn't have that. So it's going to be important 
when the next big-time portal prospect goes on campus, visits South Carolina, and he says, Spencer, give me, give me the truth. How, how did your time here go? Um, that it, it's a positive experience and that South Carolina does well on the field. So to, to his question, I think they'll have some level of success regardless in the portal. But for it to stay kind of up here or to even take another step, um, yeah, they, they need to continue to have success on the field. I don't think that even means like winning 11 games or 10 games yeah. or anything like that. I just think it's showing steady progress. And, you know, wor- worth noting, Kendall, part of the reason why we're talking about this now, uh, not only did the new rankings for the portal come out, but the reason that they came out right now is because that very important May 1st deadline has now passed. This mm-hmm. is sort of a new thing in this new college football transfer portal world where once the May 1 deadline passes, that is the that's the deadline that for every student athlete has to where they have to have told their school they want to go into the transfer portal and still be able to play this coming college football season. Mm-hmm. So what on 3 did was essentially wait for that to pass and then take this one final look at trying to rank these hundreds of guys that are that were in the portal and, and try to make some sense of it. So that's why we're talking about that now. That's why this is a thing right now. And, you know, I, I think it also means from a big picture, like off-season discussion standpoint, for the most part, South Carolina's roster is pretty much what it is going to be when they kick off the season against Georgia State. Yeah. You know, is there a chance, does a guy come out, is there somebody in the portal right now that we just don't know there's interest yet? Possibly. You know, is there is there some strange, you know, situation where a guy leaves or something like that? Always possible. But for the most part, this is pretty much South Carolina's team, and this is pretty much who's going to be out there. And uh, But I, I just, I thought it was interesting. We've seen this portal class get a lot of love, but um, – when all has been sort of said and done, they're still sitting there top five. That's yeah. uh, that, that's obviously pretty special. Yeah, and we talked about the team rankings, but also player portal rankings came out as well. And obviously Spencer Rattler right there in the top five too. He is the fifth ranked athlete coming out of the transfer portal this year. So huge for South Carolina when you've got a player that's coming out of the portal that goes to your school and he is in the top five out of all of the thousands of players who entered the portal this year. I mean, I think that's huge. And I, again, I don't think many South Carolina fans a year ago would be thinking that. So those came out. Antoine Wells also getting some love, as we mentioned uh, prior to clicking, you know, going live on the show. He is, I think, 47th on that list. So he's up there too. So South Carolina with two players in this transfer class that are in the top 50, according to on threes player rankings for the transfer portal, which was great. Yeah, I I was, uh, Kendall, I was glad to see him get some love because I I didn't know necessarily um, if he was going to be as well known just from a national standpoint coming from JMU. I know what we knew about him here and what he's done in the spring and the, the hype he's sort of been able to build here locally. I just didn't know if that would sort of um, make its way to to the national guys. So I I was happy to see that for him. He is a four-star, like you said, number 47 overall prospect, number 10 in uh, as far as receivers in the portal. So uh, that's pretty high up there. Um, Let's see. If you round out the top 100 guys, um, Stogner checks in at 68. 
Devonnie Reed, of course, super senior safety from Central Michigan, number 88 overall. Um, so that's uh, – so Rattler, Wells, um, Stogner, Reed are the guys in the top 100. Just outside of the top 100 was Christian Bill Smith, who checks in at 111. He was the number 11 running back in the transfer portal. And then uh, Lavoisier Carroll is uh, ranked number 192. A little bit of, I would say, holdover there from the fact that he was so highly recruited out of high school. Obviously, he didn't get a chance to do much at Georgia. So I think that's the hardest thing about recruiting the transfer portal or about evaluating the transfer portal, guys. How much stock do you put in to what they've done in college? How much stock for the young guys? You know, Lavasia Carroll was only at Georgia for one year. He was a backup. How much stock do you put back into their high school days? I, I don't know the answer. It's it's very difficult to actually rank these guys, and it was near impossible, I'm sure, to rank them when guys were still entering the portal every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single day, there was, hey, there's a new guy in the portal. There's a new guy. How do you rank them if you don't even know who all is in it? So mm-hmm. that's why they're taking a bit of just, a, okay, let's let everybody get in the thing. Most of these guys have already picked schools, except for a few that are still out there. Um, as far as the top guys go. And then let's do our best to rank them. So that, that's what on three tried to do. And I want to go back really quickly and kind of talk about what you mentioned with South Carolina making progress and how this season, if they do make progress on the field, that will ultimately continue to help them in terms of the transfer portal. And I 100% agree. And that's why I think this year it's so important for South Carolina to make a bowl game that – You know, when you think of the non-existent really like tier of bowl games, like it is above maybe a Duke's Mayo Bowl because going to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, winning that last year, that's huge for South Carolina. Nobody really anticipated that, but you set your expectation here. And then when you bring Spencer Rattler in in this huge transfer class and you have a couple guys that are a little bit healthier this year, whether that's Luke Doty or Marshawn Lloyd kind of getting back on his feet your expectations are going to be higher. And so then you want to come here because if you're at a Duke's Mayo bowl or something similar, people are going to be like, you Mm -hmm. did that with a GA quarterback. And you know, it, it, you know what I'm saying? So like that, I think is providing kind of an extra set of pressure and expectation. And we've talked about this on a GC live before, like is Spencer Rattler, does he have the most pressure of any sec quarterback this year? Does Shane Beamer, you know, where is his pressure level in terms of the other coaches in the SEC? I'm not going to sit here and say it's the highest when you have people like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart that are coaching programs like Georgia and Alabama. And obviously they have the highest of the high. But I think there is an expectation for South Carolina, probably not to make, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl game, but to do a little bit better than they did last year. Because if they don't, then it's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do, and and even from a Vegas standpoint, like you know, Vegas has started to put out some of the lines. I saw um, the Mac and uh, Dino podcast saying earlier, um, odds makers have South Carolina win total at five point five. Um, I was actually talking to Pearson Fowler about this earlier uh, today from one hundred seven five. I think he said one of the odds makers has the line for the the over under, I should say, for wins at six for South Carolina. I'm. I'm trying to remember y'all like I'm, I'm not a gambler. Maybe y'all can help me in the chat. I feel like this time last year, Kendall, there was a lot of talk about either three and a half mm-hmm. or four being. I thought the it was under. less than four. 
I'm not okay. a gambler either, but I, I swear it was like somewhere in like the three range. Yeah, I think it, I, for some reason I remember a four in there somewhere, but I, I, I don't know who had set that and how much it fluctuated and all that stuff, but I remember a three and a half. I feel like I remember a four. Obviously they went over that, but you know, people are probably looking if that number's five and a half or six, um, you know, they, they may be saying, well, that's some, I feel like locally South Carolina fans are probably saying that's not high enough, Mm -hmm. but I do think when you look at where the over under was last year, it it does make sense because you know, you're trying to kind of split the difference if you're, if you're setting an over under and, um, obviously you look at last year, South Carolina did end up going over that. If it's even if it's four, you know, they went over it by by three games if you add in the the bowl game. But uh these are you know regular season wins. So two yeah. over. Um, but how many close games are they in? How many games are they in that that they also could have lost? You know, so the the margin for for whether it hits over or under is generally pretty thin. So I feel like if the over under is six. For the most part, that's kind of saying, look, from a Vegas standpoint, we're saying this could be a seven or eight win team, but we're also saying this could be a four or five win team. Like, you know, the 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 difference between mm-hmm. even the difference between five wins and seven wins in a regular season, when it's as tight as the SEC and you're in as many close games as you're gonna be in, it's not this big space, you know, like it's very, very tight. And generally, it's going to come down to the scary thing is it comes down to like a handful of plays, yeah. In in each of these games, you know. So I, I, I mean, I, I think. I mean, do you do you think? Let's say it's five and a half or six mm-hmm. for this year. Is yeah. that is that fair? I think that's fair. I mean, I look at the schedule, and it depends on the day for me. And I'll try to like kind of calculate in my brain. Okay. I think that they're going to win these games and these games are going to be a toss up. And then these games, I'm not so confident about a win there. Uh, But last year I wasn't so confident about a win against Florida and Auburn and South Carolina ends up beating Florida and Auburn. I have talked about this with a good amount of people. I don't think I've ever talked about it with you on GC live, but I do believe there's kind of this debate right now as to what is the biggest game for South Carolina this year? What is that momentum shifter? And I think a lot of people are going between the Kentucky game and the Arkansas game. So I'm interested to know, Wes, as of this point, what you think, because I have a strong opinion on it, but I want to know yours first. Okay. I'm before you even mentioned the two games instantly in my head, Arkansas was just flashing like this. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm looking at this Arkansas game because you know what? You and I actually have talked about this before because not on the show, but we've talked about this. If um, South Carolina obviously has to beat Georgia state, that's a must. That's a given. If they lose Georgia state, then whole thing falls apart, but um, not quite that dramatic, but still you, like low key. You that's can't, true. you can't start, you can't build all this momentum and then lose to Sean Elliott's team. You know, like you, you just can't. Not like, can't. to start my senior year of college. Yeah, it's Kendall's senior year of college. Come on, guys. What are you doing? <laughs> Don't even hypothetically lose to Georgia State. You have to win that game. But at Arkansas, man, that is such a Massive. how how do you even how do you even go in? Like, how do you even 
summarize that it's game. Game at this changing, like, momentum shifting. It is like your make or break moment because you were, it's like, I don't even know how to like put this into an analogy, but it's basically like you're in an airplane and you're on the runway and you're going down the runway and you're either going to come to a screeching halt because your engine isn't working. You got to like stop or you're going to take off and you're going to go. And like, that's how I envision it in my head. It's like you be in Georgia state and you're going, you're going, you're going, you're so excited. And then you go to Arkansas and it's either like emergency, like we're stopping or like you're going. That's how I view it. How did you come up with that? My head works in analogies. So like, I always think about situations in terms of like life experiences. So you just went straight. Have you flown many airplanes or you're just a passenger? Well, I'm a passenger. I've been on a lot of airplanes. Luckily I've never been on one that's come to screeching halt on the runway, but my dad has like three or four times because he, yeah, he, he travels all the time. Um, I would stop traveling. I would, Mm, I don't even want to get into this right now, but I would literally probably never get on a plane again. I already don't really love to fly. I, I can do it, but I don't love it. Anyways, that's how I see the Arkansas game. So I'm with you. Like when I said I had a strong opinion, my strong opinion is Arkansas because I told this to you a few weeks ago and we were talking about the narrative that could come if South Carolina does beat Arkansas. That sets the stage for college game day to create a prime experience in Columbia, South Carolina. They have not been to Columbia in years. Spencer Rattler's narrative would do absolutely beautifully on ESPN. The whole transfer, going behind Caleb Williams, getting screwed over by Lincoln Riley, coming to South Carolina, feeling the love, feeling part of a family with Shane Beamer. Shane is phenomenal. He's a character that you want on college game day because people are just going to love him. And then in week, and I'm talking about week three here, by the way, not mm-hmm. the Arkansas South Carolina game. But if South Carolina does beat Arkansas, going into week three against Georgia, against the reigning national championship winning team, Beamer used to coach at Georgia. There's a lot of ties. Obviously, there are states that are right next to each other. South Carolina's first SEC game of the or second SEC game of the season, um, but their first one at home, like. I see if South Carolina beats Arkansas, I would be shocked. I don't know what the national slate looks like that week, but I would be shocked if that game wasn't a serious consideration for not just SEC Nation, but college game day, which would be massive for the program. Well, I'm ready to go start tailgating. I don't know about you, but that uh, that that is exciting, and I, I'm pulling it up right now, so – I think you're right. Without really looking at the other games, if both teams are undefeated, there is a strong chance because, one, all these other storylines you're talking about, two, you got two undefeated SEC teams. By that point, if South Carolina has a road win over Arkansas on their early season resume, they probably – you know how quickly these, like, narratives – and I hate the word narrative because people overuse it now, but you know how quickly – these storylines get started. If South Carolina starts 2-0 and with a win over Arkansas on the road, they will quickly be like, oh, is South Carolina the dark horse in the SEC East? Is this the team that can contend with Georgia in the SEC East? And so that will be the conversation leading into that game. Georgia opens up their season with, do you know who? Oregon. Oregon <laughs> versus Georgia. Random out-of-conference out of uh, contest. So your two hurdles – for what you're talking about to happen is Georgia 
has to beat Oregon, which they will be favored, but they did, as someone just pointed out earlier, lose like their entire freaking defense to the mm-hmm. NFL. Um, they obviously still have talent. They'll be favored in that game, but that's that's not a gimme by any stretch. So Georgia will have to beat Oregon, and South Carolina will have to go on the road and beat Arkansas, which I would assume way, 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 way too early that the Gamecocks will be a slight underdog in that game at Arkansas. But yeah, the path is there, so we shall see. Because everybody's loving Arkansas right now. And, like, rightfully so. I mean, Arkansas had a good year last year. Pittman's a good coach. Like, there's a lot about Arkansas to be excited about. And I think it's kind of similar to South Carolina in a sense, too, of, like, Arkansas is finally kind of coming into their own. And South Carolina kind of did the same thing last season. So I know that there's a lot of excitement around them. I do expect them to be favored in that game. It kind of – is rough for South Carolina in terms of the schedule because they have uh, both Kentucky and Arkansas on the road. And those are two games. I mean, you've got to win one of those games. If you're South Carolina, you have to win one of those games, unless you just want to turn around and like beat Clemson at the end of the season, which I'm sure nobody would be opposed to, but that's, I mean, that's, that's something to discuss on another day because that's not until the end of November. So we've got time. We we've got we've got a whole off season to go through this stuff, but um, I w- I gotta say, Kendall, good good news. Week three, the competition the national slate isn't good. Penn State Auburn at Auburn mm. is is your yeah. other competition. Well, my you know what? Miami plays Texas A&M that weekend as well. And Miami is going to start to get some national love too with a new coach. But but it will I will say right now, game day will be at either Auburn for the Penn State game, will be at A&M for the Miami game or in Columbia for the Georgia game. It will be one well, of those three. I think that even if South Carolina doesn't get game day, which you would obviously hope that they would get game day, that would be massive. I do think that that will be a production week. So I think you would get SEC Nation if you didn't get game day. Yeah, which, which is cool. Is but It's not quite the same thing as game day. but It's nowhere close. Let's just say I've never seen college game day in person, but it is like my favorite show in the world. And if they came in person, it would probably be one of the highlights of my life to this point. So no pressure, South Carolina football, but like, I'm going to need, I'm going to need this to happen. And you'd have to pull for Georgia against Oregon. Yeah, I could do that. I mean. Um, Kendall. What, all right, first of all, what, what's your what's your closing thought on this? I don't want to cut you off. I, I want to I make sure we mention Liberty no closing thought. I feel like we just really went in depth into that, and now we need to get into a little recruiting news. We, we do. So, <laughs> yes, but we, we tend to do that, but that is okay. Uh, <laughs> before we talk a little bit of recruiting real quick, um, hopefully none of you have a taxiety anymore because you've already done your taxes, but – if you have not done your taxes, uh, first of all, the IRS is on the other line, so take that phone call. But then call 803-462-5576. Our friends at Liberty Tax right here in the Columbia area will take care of you. And if you own a business, um, LLC, S-Corp, any of those uh, things that most of us don't uh, pay attention to, if you own a business, give them a call. They can help you sort of establish a plan for your taxes for next year. Mm-hmm. Make sure that everything 
is uh, set, good to go, and that the IRS is not calling you um, next tax season. So yeah. give them a call, our friends at Liberty Tax. And uh, again, if, if you haven't done your taxes, you, you probably need to talk to them and then try to get an extension and then go through this process. It's going to be a big old pain. So call them and let them take care of that for you. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much to Liberty Tax. They are the best. I'm happy tax season is over. Let's just say that. Not not a fan. Anyways, <laughs> I don't think anybody is kind of a pain to go through the process. But speaking of taxes, that leads me into our next thing that we're discussing, and that is recruiting. There's no correlation between the two, but we're just going to go with it. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Thank you. I was like, where is she going with this segue? <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere. I was just kind of like making my way through. But Zabari Sandy, he is committing on Sunday. He is a three-star safety in the class of 2023 out of St. John's High School. It's in Washington, D.C., correct? Correct. I feel like there's a St. John's in every single city in the U.S. But his is in Washington, D.C. Zabari Sandy, safety, committing on Sunday. So Wes, any info? Because South Carolina is right up there in the mix to land this safety. Yeah, they are way up there. Uh, again, he's a high three-star guy. He is the number four prospect in DC. And uh, Gamecocks are in the top five. And I I do not have a, a prediction in on his profile that you would go look at. But I will just say for our awesome GC Live watchers and listeners and viewers and whatever else, I feel good about the Gamecocks' chances. So on Mother's Day, on Sunday, I think the Gamecocks are in, in good a good place to have a good day. And uh, Zabari's going to tell the college football world where he's going to school. And I, I, that would be, if the Gamecocks get him, Kendall, the first public commit for the class of 2023. Which is huge. I mean, and that just kind of sets the standard as you continue to go forward. I actually, without saying too much, I'm excited because I have an interview this weekend with a 2023 recruit who is very, very high on the list for South Carolina. So I'm excited to talk mm. to this recruit, do a little video interview with him. Um, I've had I have a goal of talking to all three of the quarterback prospects for South Carolina for the classes of 2023 and 2024. They have more than three, but like there's three really big names that kind of come to mind. And yeah. I've already talked to Dante Reno. So we're trying to get the next two and I'll be talking to one of them this weekend. So be on the lookout for that uh, because I think we'll get some news regarding quarterbacks. And we talked about this on the recruiting rundown last week in the next few months, which is very exciting. Kendall Loki, y'all loves recruiting. Like she, I love she's in it. You can tell she's into following it, and uh, I, I like to see the excitement. I'm ready. I'm ready for your your interview this week, Kendall. Thank you. I do love recruiting. I came into this job like knowing I'd be covering football and some baseball and you know a bunch of things here and there. 
but I have ended up falling in love with recruiting. I think it's so interesting. And I really like talking to recruits too, because a lot of them are very open. They want to talk to you. Um, and I've kind of found that through the transfer portal as well. Like a lot of them are very willing to talk as well. So that's another thing that I've really enjoyed covering and getting to report on. So I'm excited. I think this summer there's going to be a ton of content coming out. A uh, shout out to Wes and Chris for kind of sparking my inspiration in that because I enjoyed reading reading y'all stuff. And then from there, it just kind of made me think, well, what if we did some video stuff with these recruits and, and got them on camera and got them to talk a little bit. So that's what well, we're and, doing. Uh, yeah. And I, I like the, this sort of little like off the wall, like non football questions mm -hmm. too, that we get to mix those in there. Um, like you did with the last class, uh, several of those guys, um, not all of them got back to you by the way, which we're still a little bit upset with those guys, but <laughs> The ones that did, yes. um, there was some really good stuff. And then uh, if y'all have not heard or watched her interview with Dante Reno, go check that out. That was from, I guess, the last week. All the weeks run mm -hmm. together. But um, Dante is a name to know for, for that class. He's the first of those three major quarterback targets that Kendall is talking about. So hopefully, Kendall, you get to let us hear from the other two very soon. Yes, I hope. They've actually been in contact with me, both of them. So I think that we're going to be able to go three for three on it, which is very exciting uh, because I know that a lot of people are going to want to hear from all three of these quarterbacks and kind of see what each of them has to say. Not that it's a competition at all. It's definitely not. They're all different people with different personalities, but it is kind of cool to like compare and contrast what they say, mm -hmm. timelines, where they're at. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be fun. It is fun. Um, any closing thoughts, Kendall? I think I think I'm out. I think it's I think it's time to start the weekend. I think so. I do want to say congratulations to all of the graduates of the University of South Carolina. This is graduation weekend, so I have some friends that are seniors. Definitely going to miss them. But to anybody who's graduating this weekend, huge congratulations to you. That's a major accomplishment. And I know there's going to be a lot happening on campus and in Columbia. So I'm hoping that the weather gets a little bit better and that everybody is uh, able to enjoy themselves this weekend. And thank you, Gamecock Ryan, for watching. Thank you, everybody, for watching. I appreciate all of the comments and the feedback and the insight. It's really cool to get to see that live chat going. I'm glad you said that, Kendall. Is that not I, – I feel like it is the coolest time. It's one of the coolest times other than football season, I guess, to be in Columbia and, like, see all the – like, I, I went to dinner, I think that was Wednesday, and there was somebody that was, like, out in their cap and gown. Yes. And it's like, so I don't know, like, I feel like that's such a special moment in the lives of someone who is graduating because you've grinded through that for mm -hmm. four and a half, sometimes five, five and a half years. And you've, you've made it like you've got yeah. there, you've made yeah. it. And it's, um, it's amazing. It's scary. It's like, it's like all these different things. It's sad too. Yeah. All at once. Like you're sad because you have to leave, but you're happy because you've made it. And uh, Kendall will be doing that a year from now. We're going to throw a big Gamecock Central party. Then. Yes, I, we're going to have a big Gamecock Central party. I'm graduating a year from now. That is the scariest thing in the world. I literally cannot believe it. And I will say I do love all the pictures um, that everyone is is taking. I'm going to need the hookup from some of my people at Gamecock Football to let me take mine on the field. Uh, that is my one request. But 
it is kind of bad because I live by Williams Bryce Stadium and I like to run around the stadium. It's kind of my thing. I'm training for a half marathon and all these people are taking pictures outside of the stadium. So I'm like trying to dodge their picture and like not photobomb them. It requires a whole other aspect of the workout that my body is just not prepared for. So that's the one thing with grad season ending. I finally get back my Williams Bryce Stadium runs without the distraction of having all of these millions of people getting pictures. But I have to give them grace because I I know that'll be me next year taking a thousand pictures. <laughs> so somewhere there is a photo of someone popping the champagne in front of Willie B and then <laughs> Kendall's running, running behind him. Yeah, probably, probably so. And they're like, who is this girl? Like so random, but Hey, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's something that, that's the risk you run if you're gonna do your pictures in front of Willie B. You right. never, you never Which know who or what. Get on the about. inside of Willie B. I need to be in the field. I think we might be able to pull some I think strings. we can pull that. I think and we can pull that. We can make that happen. We can. But thank you, everybody, so much for watching. Thanks, Wes, for having me on. I always enjoy GC Live. It's fun. We're both talkers, as you can tell. This has gone on an hour. Uh, so we love talking about Gamecock athletics with all of you, and we appreciate all of you joining us. And we hope that you have an awesome weekend. Stay safe out there. Subscribe to GamecockCentral.com if you haven't already. We've got so much content coming out that you don't want to miss. And be sure to follow us on all of our social medias as well. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Subscribe to our YouTube Turn on your notification bell, the whole nine yards. Y'all know the drill, but thank you for joining us on this edition of GC Live. Wendy's is giving you a chance to win cash. Head to a participating Wendy's, snap a pic when you try the new homestyle French toast sticks, and post it on social using the hashtag Wendy's French Toast Stick Sweeps or log on to Wendy's French Toast Stick Sweeps.com. Wendy's new homestyle French toast sticks are crispy on the outside, fluffy on the inside. They're so good, they're the best thing to ever happen to breakfast. No purchase necessary. See rules at wendysfrenchtoaststicksweeps.com. Sweepstakes end September 11th, 2022. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.